I am so glad that you are joining Cindy LeFevre Yorks for this episode of His GPS for Your SOS. We pray these encouraging words will enrich and bless your day. A look at grief. Some of you might be familiar with the five stages of grief. Denial, anger, bargaining, depression, and acceptance. These were laid out by author Elizabeth Kubler-Ross in her famous 1969 book on death and dying. Some psychologists have also suggested that meaning can also play a role in processing grief. But as those of you who've experienced grief know, you'll no doubt vacillate back and forth between one and yet another many times in any grieving process, large or small. You may be finding this pattern to be true in the time of COVID. One day you are at 100% acceptance and finding the silver linings, and the next you are furious over the long line at the grocery store and the fact that you still can't snag a case of Clorox wipes. Honestly, one of the biggest takeaways in any scenario regarding grief and loss involves a level of patience needed to stay the course in the process. No matter what we are grieving, most of us still envision ourselves in the driver's seat of our lives most of the time. But when I really face the facts, I realize all too clearly, in more ways than one, that I'm relegated to the back seat. For one thing, I can't control global catastrophes. I can't really even control how I experience them circumstantially. The only thing I can really control is my attitude regarding any circumstance I face. Secondarily, when I let God do the driving, I'm reminded of the very best ways to respond to them. Actions like putting other people's needs ahead of my own, responding to human suffering by giving money to the food bank, praying with people who have cancer, who've lost their jobs in the pandemic. And right now, instead of complaining about not being able to travel, I can give my money to missions across the globe and collect eternal rewards as my souvenirs. How I respond to opportunity is between me and God, and it's between you and God as well. It's not for me, your parent, or your good friend to ever say. Each of you should give what you've decided in your heart to give not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And that's from 2 Corinthians 9-7. Are you relinquishing your time cheerfully? Are you giving to the Lord what He wants for you in your life? I know I'm not always the most cheerful giver when it comes to some areas in my life, but I'm asking God to show me what He wants me to do in every situation. He's always your best judge, your best chauffeur, and your ultimate navigator. When we go before Him with willing hearts, ready for His revelations, we experience a spiritual time change. We literally receive a supernatural heart transplant. We can then love in a way that's only possible when we relinquish the driver's seat in grief, loss, or any other matter. Of course, you're always free to choose your driver position. You may be tempted to clutch the proverbial steering wheel with all your might. You know best, you might say to yourself. God's Word offers a differing viewpoint, however. There is a path before each person that seems right, but it ends in death. We read that sober warning in Proverbs 14:12. Don't die behind the wheel you're clutching in a collision course of your own making. Join me in embracing the challenge these words of Jesus set before us. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give His life as a ransom for many. Let's not give over our driver's seat, our time, our treasure, or our love to anyone 
or anything without consulting God's heart or will on the matter. If Jesus gave up his driver's seat for his father, so can we. Fortunately, the sting of grief and loss isn't permanent. We know one day God has a different plan. I'd like to share this entry from the side door. Injustice, every tear and every wrong wiped away. In my younger and more arrogant days, my self-congratulatory muscle was in overdrive. My thinking was that my memory of past events was virtually infallible. I conceded that my short-term memory was plenty faulty, but when it came to the so-called times of my life, no detail escaped my total recall. Until one day, my husband started talking about a concert we'd attended some 30 years before. In that moment, I had absolutely no recollection of it whatsoever. As he recounted details to jog my memory, it all came back to me. It was then I had to reconcile the fact that my delusions of total recall were completely inaccurate. When it comes to our minds and the rest of our imperfect bodies, we are, in fact, completely fallible. Our judgment is as vulnerable as the rest of our mental faculties. In one moment, we might exercise the fair thing, but in another, we might be clouded from seeds of favoritism, retribution, or any number of subconscious prejudices that may color the pool of fairness. We are in no position to judge our own judgment. In this instance, as in all others, we must look to Jesus. He alone is worthy to open the scrolls, and that's in Revelation 4.11. The only non-corrupt mind is the mind of God Himself. So in any situation, we must follow His wise counsel. Instead of addressing someone's wrong motive with your own, make the right move. Whether the issue is theft, loss, the unfair maligning of character, or something more horrific, like the taking of a life, we are still called to forgive and let God ultimately administer His perfect justice. I have adopted a new strategy for times such as these. When someone hurts me or steals something from me, I remind myself of the verse in Joel 2.25, where God promises to repay us for the years the locust ate our crops. I visualize a pile of things stolen from me throughout my lifetime return to me in more glorious condition, or I picture an image of a trying and unjust situation I've had to endure and picture total restoration. It comforts me. I imagine my room in heaven filled with glorious family portraits that could never be taken because of my autistic child's inability to sit for such an undertaking. The thief of autism stole it, but God will restore it. He remains faithful to his promises. When I am wounded, I can trust the great healer to bind up my wounds. Behold, he promises in Revelation 21.5, I am making all things new. Next time you come face to face with an injustice, take your anger down a notch. Dim the lights. De-escalate the situation. Visualize God taking it by the reins while you sit back and benefit from his navigation. And the keys to kingdom living are... Allow God to settle the score as He promised He will. And the doorpost is, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Proverbs 3, 5. Thank you for tuning in today to His GPS for your SOS. Cindy also posts encouragement daily on Instagram. Her first two books in her Plan Door Devotion Trilogy are available on Amazon. Her bi-monthly blogs can be found at cindyyorks.com.